Welcome back to the 150K Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Graham, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Today, I have with me Mike Begg or Bragg. How do I say your last name? Begg. Begg. I wanted to make sure I said it right because, you know, sometimes you'll say it wrong (laughs) and I have a little dyslexia. Now, here's the cool thing. Mike reached out to me. Nine times out of 10, I don't just take a person to come on my podcast or anything, but we had a great talk a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, no, I got to have him on my show. So tell us a little bit about what you do, your business and how you help people, Mike. Sure. So uh, first of all, thanks again for having me, Joe. But uh, about myself, I'm originally from Connecticut. I grew up there. I spent most of my life in the Northeast. Uh, now I live in Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, this is where my wife is from. Uh, for business, I am the CEO of AMZ Advisors. I also have a few other businesses. Uh, what we do at AMZ Advisors is we help brands scale from one to 10 million on the Amazon platform. And some of the other businesses I have are helping brands expand globally to other marketplaces, to Latin America, and also doing outsourced sales for coaches and consultants. So those are a little bit of everything that I do. Nice. So you do you do a bunch and I'm assuming you didn't just start out that way. So whatever got you even going into like the entrepreneurial journey and all stuff like that? I would say that it was just uh, it, the the initial push or the initial feeling that got me going that way. It was working for someone else uh, out of college. I worked at Deloitte Consulting. I was absolutely miserable at Deloitte because you're pretty much control. Your time's controlled by everyone else. Uh, you know, you have deadlines to do. You're working crazy hours. It was not fun. Uh, I was like, I need to switch. I got into real estate, uh, started working in real estate development and, and I loved real estate development. I loved what I was doing much, much more than what I was doing in consulting, but I yeah. still had the feeling that like I was working for someone else. I wasn't in control of my own time and it was tough. It was a hard, uh, it was, it was hard because I really enjoyed the job. I was paid really well and like a whole bunch of other things. But anyway, that's when I realized that I need to do something for myself. Uh, we started brainstorming ideas myself and, and two of the partners I have now. We ended up stumbling onto Amazon in e-commerce. Uh, one of my partners found that you could sell ebooks online. We started publishing ebooks, go having ghostwriters write them. Uh, we put out about seventy-five to one hundred ebooks, and uh, you know that makes money. They still make money to this day. Uh, and then once we got into the e-commerce, the Amazon space, we started learning about other opportunities. Like you could actually sell products online. And once we figured that out is kind of where everything took off from. No, I love that. I think that's great. And you may hear my puppies. I have four pug puppies in the background. So if you're embarking every once in a while, it's just part of the show now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I I like that because you, you, you were doing stuff. And I think a lot of people that listen to the show run into this. They have a day job. They have a dream. They're making, like you said, you weren't making bad money. You didn't hate the job. You just didn't like the aspect of having someone tell you when to show up, when to go home, how much money you can make. It was like a lot of people's dream job, but for you, it's like, no, there's got to be something more. So you found a way to get out around it and you did it through Amazon to start with. So with these eBooks and all, did you just, you said you just found eBooks to sell or did you like, I'm intrigued. How did you get the eBooks? So I know you said you had some people ghost write and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, Amazon has an entire publishing platform for Kindle. I mean, Kindle is one of the the original Amazon products, uh, digital products at least. And uh, the idea being that you can find topics on Amazon that people are searching for and people are buying in, you know, whatever the terms are. So for example, we wrote books, uh, I wrote books on commercial real estate. Uh, One of my partners wrote books on, uh, you know, diets like keto diet Mm -hmm. and like that type of stuff. Uh, another partner wrote books about, 
like marijuana businesses and stuff like that. These are all things that people are searching for. And we didn't have the time to write them ourselves. So we just outsourced it all on Upwork, threw it all together. Total each book probably cost us, you know, anywhere between a hundred, two hundred fifty dollars to publish. Mm-hmm. And you throw them up there and you just keep making royalties from there. So uh I still make royalties to this day from books that I published nine, ten years ago. No, that's smart because you found a need. You found someone to even do the work for. That's what that's what a business owner does. That's what an entrepreneur does. Find yeah. the need, fix the need, and, and go from there. So you said you've done that, and then you moved on to doing more stuff in the Amazon space and then some uh, sales for, for coaches. So was it just like, okay, cool, we're making money here, but we need to expand the business, make more money? Or what led you into your next phase? What led us into the next phase? Well, from the the, the publishing book side, you know, it wasn't enough to support ourselves full time. Uh, we were making money. We, like I said, we still make money, but we had to figure out something that was full time. We started yep. figuring out how to sell products. We were importing products from China with our own brand, selling them online. Uh, we realized that our strengths were the selling. It wasn't the inventory management, the supply chain management. We were yep. actually terrible in that area. So uh, we focused on what our strengths were and turned it into an agency, AMZ Advisors, and uh, that was just how it began. We started working as consultants there. We grew the business to about uh, 40000 a month in revenue between the three of us. And then we started hiring freelancers and VAs to help us manage it. Uh, we made our first hire uh, in 2018, uh, first full-time hire in 2018. Uh, and ever, ever since then, it's been growing. Now, a lot of the other opportunities that have come up along the way have been through just opportunities that come to us, through people we know, yep. through friends. Uh, one of them, one of the first ones was uh, creating a branch of our company dedicated to helping brands in Europe. Our main mm-hmm. client base was in uh, the US because of time zones and yeah, just where we were living. But we had a partner living in Europe and he was able to manage those clients. So that was you know the first phase. Uh, the second phase was uh, during COVID, uh, one of my partners was living in Playa del Carmen, Mexico, and he met another guy, uh, another one of our partners now, Robbie. And Robbie was working at another company uh, doing this outsource sales for coaches. And he had built the entire system for them. Uh, he was tired of working for them because he didn't have any equity in the business. Yeah. So we we're like, hey, let's do this. We can figure this out. You know how it runs. We can figure out all the operations and we'll go from there. Yeah. Taking well, I mean, advantage of another opportunity that just came our way. What, what I'm liking here is that you guys had the dream. You wanted to make the change. You start moving forward and you just adapted. You tried the books. It got yeah. you some money but it didn't give you enough to make it full time. So then you started doing products. He's like, oh man, I'm really good at selling it, but I want to yeah. deal with the other part. And it's just, it's like the true entrepreneurial journey. You're building and you're failing forward and you're learning and you're growing. And I think you said your last piece now, you're helping other coaches learn how to sell because you're going to go into your strengths and all. And I, I like the tr- the progression of it. How has that been going? Or how is, what, what, what keys have you learned from shifting from books to products, to now coaching is a little bit of a different type of beast in general. And I see the look. <laughs> I w- yeah, I mean, it's definitely different. And, and the way the model works is like, we will partner with coaches that already have leads. Uh, you know, they have a following on social media or YouTube, wherever it is, but they want to sell their their fitness program or uh, we sell PR programs, we sell diet pro like all types of stuff. So it's a variety of different products and a lot of it's obviously being adaptable. That, that's yep. one big key of selling is that you need to be adaptable to what's going on. You need to be paying attention and listening to what the the salesperson, uh, sorry, what the customer or potential customer is saying so you can understand it and then be able to answer and you know have the solutions for them. Uh, I think that's obviously a key aspect of it, but 
the whole transition, uh, everything that we have learned is that we are constantly selling and no matter what you're doing, especially in services. I mean, whether I'm managing a client account and I'm selling the client on the idea of what we need to do to grow the account, it's understanding like where you're trying to take someone or what direction you're trying to take someone and then being able to to show them why this is the right direction. And it's true all through the agency space and where we've been managing and now, especially in the, the outsource sales space, um, it's a very big aspect of being able to understand, listen, and then be able to provide the solutions that help them yeah, no, but get I the like outcomes that. they want. I like that because you come in and you do the selling for them. I'll come in and I'll train yeah. sales teams, but you come in and say, hey, cool, you have a brand, you have a product, you have a yep. service. Let me do this part. And you just take a cut of it. That makes sense. Like it, it, it's, it's one of those things. I think people sometimes make it so hard on themselves and try to do everything or they're not willing to let any of their baby go. But in reality, getting people that can help you succeed where you're maybe not as strong makes so much sense. So here's another interesting question because I like to travel and all. So I know your wife lives down there in Mexico, yeah. but is it more of like tax breaks and stuff like that as well? Or it's just families there? So that's why Mexico? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I do get tax breaks. That's that's a nice benefit as well. But yeah, uh, mainly because their family lives here is the reason we're here. Uh Obviously, I'm from Connecticut, as I said. Uh, I hate the winters in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. Like right now, it's, I think it's, what is it? It's about 85 outside and I'm wearing shorts in here. So, yeah. you know, uh, the weather is another great benefit of living down here. I think that's a big part of it as you get into your entrepreneurial journey is like, uh, where are you most comfortable or what makes you most comfortable? And then trying to get as much of that as possible. Because if you're in a place where you feel comfortable, where you have what you need, what you like, that it's a lot easier to just be focused on what you're trying to do uh, and actually produce the results that you need. Yeah. Well, and I love that. And I think it's the key that people miss. Your environment determines a lot, like the space, the clutter, the craziness, the life in general, where you're at. Like my wife and I love Hawaii. It's great. Love Hawaii. I'm in Texas today. I actually have a sweatshirt on because it's finally gotten cold here. But cold here, I think it's like it got in the 50s. That's cold for Texas. I'm originally from Michigan, though. So, like, I'm used to the snow. I'm used to the cold and stuff. We moved to Texas, and nine months out of the year, I get, you know, better weather. But, no, I love that because I think your environment and who you surround yourself with are important. So let's shift a little bit to more, like, mindset and how you love it up. Because as a business owner, I'm sure that you just didn't magically have all the answers. I'm sure there's been groups or networks or ways, but how, what's been the best way for you to like level up and grow as a business owner or as a person, whichever way you want to take it? There's a lot there. One is, uh, I, I think when we're talking about growing as a business person, uh, there are a ton of mentors out there that have been there before that already know what the best practices are, what work in certain industries and being able to leverage them and leverage their knowledge can help you make significantly uh, faster steps forward in your career, both in your own professional career and in the, the the life of your business, because for example, we we've worked with a coach over the past year and a half. Uh, he made a shift a lot of the way that we were doing our operations and the way, a lot of the ways that we were doing the strategic planning within our business. And that has had a significant impact. And for us, you know, we had never really done strategic planning on our own. Uh, we always had our goals that we were working towards, but there was no coherence from month to month or quarter to quarter between these goals. And this gives mm -hmm. us a broader picture of the, of what we're trying to achieve in the long run. So moving, learning that from someone else who has built agencies, who sold agencies, who's acquired agencies was a huge uh, step. Personally, I think uh, the way that 
at least I feel that I grow is by challenging myself to do things that I don't know how to do. Yep. Um, when I force myself into situations that are uncomfortable, uh, I learn a lot, a lot more about myself. Uh, a good example about this would be uh, one of the things our coach made us do was uh, I was previously working as the CMO in our company. Um, I, I have a weird background between marketing, between sales, between finance on the real estate side. So it was all like kind of crazy stuff. But anyway, I was doing more of those types of roles within the company, but we needed more of a leader to really take control of the company and give it direction. I wasn't comfortable at first with the idea, but I was like, you know what? I trust my decision-making. I trust that I'm going to be able to figure it out. And I put myself into the role. Uh, or I took the role over from one of my other partners. And since then, uh, in general, things have been going a lot more smoother. There's a lot more coherence and even our employees are coming and telling us that. So it's not something I had a ton of confidence in, but I pushed myself to do it. And I've learned mm -hmm. the skills uh, because of that that are necessary to make it be successful. Yeah, no, I love that. So would you say you're more the visionary or the integrator? Oof. <laughs> uh, I would say I'm definitely more of the visionary uh, when it comes to like, like I said, coming from marketing, coming from uh, real estate development, these are all areas that you're pretty much taking nothing and creating something out of it or coming up yep. with an idea of how to create something out of it. And now in this role, I'm still doing you know some aspects of marketing, but a lot more of the focus is on the strategic side. How do we organize things? How do we create a better company? How do we uh, you know uh, provide better service to our clients at the end of the day? And a lot of that takes strategic planning. It takes ideas. It takes having a vision and be able to get the team to work towards it. So yeah, I, I think I would say I'm more like that. No, I like it. I like that a lot. I always pop this in the middle. Where can people find you? We're not done. I just always like that in the middle. That way they can't like, oh, it's the end. They're going to tell us where we're going to go. And they skate off. <laughs> so where can people find you guys? Trick. Uh, yep. the, best, the best place to find me is my email, mike at amzadvisors.com. Uh, you could also reach me through the website, amzadvisors.com. Either one's a good place to reach me. Uh, and yeah, uh, I'm always glad to talk about anything. So Cool. And we'll we'll put that in the show notes and all too. That way it's pretty simple and easy. You can just click away with it. Um, something that I just found intriguing and always with entrepreneurs, everyone wants to be the visionary, but the best ones I've seen are the ones that are visionaries, but that can actually integrate it in. And now I know there are some pure visionaries. Don't get me wrong. There are some entrepreneurs that they couldn't get they have great dreams but they need someone to do it for them but I, I just always find it funny i've never found an entrepreneur even if they're strong like i'd have one i've had one person who's an entrepreneur tell me he is the integrator but he was just a little bit of a different type of dude so yeah do, how did you build your team because i know a lot of people are going well hey he's they started this together how do you find the right people because everyone can't be a visionary like everyone on your team yeah. can't do that how do you how do you find that I think we definitely made mistakes early on, not with people being the visionaries, but the way we started hiring was more of identifying the things we didn't want to do mm -hmm. and figuring out how to outsource to someone else. And that works to a certain point. But once you get to a certain point, you really need to start hiring the people that are going to take the business forward. And yeah. that's a different skill set. So originally, um, you know, these roles were less, the roles we were hiring for were less focused on operations, less focused on, on processes, uh, on, uh, you know, customer success, those types of things. And now we've started 
this year alone, we've built a customer success team. Last year, we hired our, our director of operations. Uh, we promoted our director of account management to help in the, the account management side and the client relationship side. So these are the types of people that have experience in these types of roles that are going to be able to develop the process. So again, from the visionary standpoint, we have a vision or you know, myself and my partners are, are putting together a vision of where we want to take the company. And then we rely on a lot of these people that have specialized knowledge in operations, in customer success, uh, in marketing, whatever it may be, and communicate the vision to them to help them make the progress. Obviously, like a lot of that's problem solving. A lot of that is uh, having clear cha- channels of communication because they might not know exactly what we want. And, and mm-hmm. the better we can communicate and the more that we can be helpful in the process of helping them discover the best way to go forward. That's kind of where you get the blend between the visionary and you know the the integration, and I think that is like a really good mix to be able to have. Not just say, "Hey, go do this," yeah, but like hire the people that have the skills, and then help them solve the problem, and then let them go solve it. Yeah. Uh, that is the best way to I think to get success from the two sides. Yeah, no, I like it. It's the company culture is what I'm hearing you say. You know, we have this plan, we have it set in motion, but we don't just go, "Hey, go do this," and then yell at you because you didn't do it right. We walk with them, you get it going, you get it set up because if you train your people right, they're the ones that are talking to your customers and clients. So you want to make sure that they're fulfilling the customer journey, what you're selling to the client. So no, I I think that's good. What books have impacted you the most when it's come to business or life? Either or. Uh, Oof, that's really good. Uh, There are a lot of books. Uh, I think the first ones that always come to mind are... uh... It's Losing My Virginity by Richard Branson. Uh, that really is one of the the ones where it's about put your your uh, employees first and they will take care of your clients. Make sure your employees have what they need and they'll provide a great customer service. I think that's incredibly important. Uh, another really impactful book that I enjoyed was uh, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Uh, essentially, you the thing that you least want to do is exactly what you need to do to move things forward. And I a hundred percent believe that, uh, influence the psychology of persuasion by Robert Cialdini, I think his name is, Mm -hmm. uh, another great book. That's about, you know, marketing, about selling, about relationship management. I think all of that's incredibly important. And then more on a personal level, two books that have been real or three books, I would say that have been really impactful for me would be, uh, the Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. I really like that book. Uh, that really helped give me some guidance while I was uh, starting the entrepreneurial journey and not really understanding what I you know, should be trying to do. Uh, the War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Uh, okay. Another great book. Uh, it's also about you know getting in the trenches each day and just keep making progress going forward when it's hard. Uh, and then finally, I'm a big fan of Stoicism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Marcus Aurelius, the meditations is a really great book, uh, yeah. to help, you know, you develop yourself personally, but also to give you the skills to be successful in business. Yeah, no, I love that. Those are super gems. And actually I've only read one of them. So I actually have some more to add to my thing. Cause normally people be like, Oh, it's this one, this one, you know, they have that, that one that goes, but like, I'm happy you gave me a bunch of different reading <laughs> ideas. So thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, no I problem. have a fun question. Um, I don't know how much you've gotten to listen to the podcast. You may have heard it before. If not, it may surprise you. You get to go back in time as far as you want or forward as far as you want. You get to go and stay there for one year, meet one person and learn whatever you want, and then bring it back here. Where would you go? What would you learn? Who would it be with, of course? Uh, I've not heard that question before. So um, that's a really good one. Um, 
I think, uh, honestly, I think just because I, I, I brought it up, uh, I just mentioned him in the last question. I think Richard Branson, uh, when he was kind of starting the whole Virgin Empire, would have been mm-hmm. a really interesting guy to be around because he was really innovating the way things were done back then. Uh, yeah. From putting, changing the entire customer experience with their in-store uh, feeling, trying different ideas. I mean, they opened banks, they opened a ton of other crazy things. He had a lot of that visionary idea Mm-hmm. Uh, but in a way that he was breaking through into new markets or creating new markets from existing markets. I think that's a really, really interesting skill to have that vision. Uh, like I myself, I don't think I'm at that level. I think I can see what's right in front of me and see the opportunities that are in front of me, but be able to see the opportunity that's in something that I might not have any experience in right now. Uh, that's a big jump. And I think that's a really interesting skill set to have. Yeah. He's a very interesting guy. Like I have two friends that know him personally. Like, I don't know him, but like that that know him personally and have gone and done stuff with him. I'm just like, this dude, like he gets all his businesses stuff done in one hour a day. Yeah. One. He has a secretary or his people give him the information he needs and he has one hour a day. Once he's done, he just goes and lives life. That's crazy. I think he'd be a crazy. Now, in the beginning, I bet you he wasn't able to do that. But now he's gotten to that point. But in that beginning grind structure, I don't think he probably could have. Probably not, but I mean, the skill set that he built during that time or what he learned during that time is what allows him to live that life now. So I think that's, again, like I talked about mentors and like skipping ahead, Mm -hmm. that would be such a great mentor to learn from and just, you know, really skip ahead in how you plan your business, how you grow your business, how you delegate, how you handle new challenges within a business. I mean, guys started an airline, which is insane. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot that could be learned from him uh, and a lot that could help someone someone move forward in their entrepreneurial career. For sure. So now I have an interesting question because it made me think of this. Someone's starting out their business, say they're a solopreneur and they're starting to want to expand. What would be the first either hire you would say that they would need or first type of coach they would need? You can go either way. Oh, that's tough. From a higher standpoint, I think there were two mistakes that we made, and I've talked about those briefly, is one, not having someone to help you take the business forward. Uh, I think having a key, either having a key operations person or operations manager that can help you build and document all the processes within the business and make sure that they're being done consistently mm-hmm. would be massive uh, value for a new entrepreneur or having an incredible marketer that can help you get in front of as many people as possible. Because at the end of the day, we need leads. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have definitely. leads. We can't sell. We can't close deals. We can't grow a business. So one of those two, uh, depending on what my personal strengths would be, um, you know, whether it was sales or whether it was marketing or, or whether it was operations from that point, I would probably, excuse me, uh, make a decision on which one it would be. Um, and from a mentor coaching standpoint, I think, Having someone to help you on probably the marketing and the branding and the positioning early on would be helpful. Um, at the end of the day, like if you are doing a service, you generally know that service well, or you have a skill set within that service field that helps it. So from an operational standpoint, it might not be the right fit right now. But as a first-time entrepreneur, how do I get in front of people? How do I find clients? Mm-hmm. How do I find uh, you know, customers like that? That is where like a... Uh, a CMO coach or, or any type of marketing coach might help you make those first steps forward. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. So before we let our audience go, what are the words of wisdom, insight, stuff we haven't talked about that maybe we should uh, give them a little bit more insight into? Um, 
Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, I would say in business, I mean, there's always going to be challenges. Uh, like this is not any crazy knowledge. Everyone knows that there's going to be challenges in business. Uh, I think the hardest thing is try to anticipate those challenges. Uh, there's another great book that I did not mention before, uh, Black Swan by Nassim Talib. Mm-hmm. And Black Swan talks about how there are tail end events on the bell, bell curve that essentially can tank our business. They're very hard to predict because they've generally never happened before, but there is a very small chance they can happen and they can wipe everything out. We're never going to be able to anticipate each possible situation, but from a business standpoint, the more you are prepared for these situations that might be something that you never imagine happening, the the healthier the business will be in the long term. So this could come in different forms. It could come from you know staying lean as a business. It could come from having a large cash reserve. Uh, there's different ways that you can manage a lot of these tail end risks, but um, you know if you're not anticipating them or not thinking about the things that can sink you, you're going to have your own problems. Uh, I think there's another great book out there, and I'm blanking on the name, uh, but it talks about what investors are the most successful in the long run. It's not the investors that are, you know, hitting it lucky on a big trade. It's the investors that are avoiding losing as much money as possible. So yeah. eliminating the losses is more important than the actual growth in the, in the long term. And I think that holds true in running any business. If you protect yourself from any potential downfall, you have that much more of an opportunity to grow the business. Yeah, no, I love that. It's always a long game. We always hear the great rich quick rent Lambos, all that type of stuff you see. But in reality, the long game wins. When you take care of your customers, when you treat them right, when you make the smart investments, when you mitigate risks, like you said, that's when you win. So no, I love that. Mike, thank you again for being on the show. And for all you listening, go out, share this episode with someone else. And until next time, have an awesome, wonderful day.